After a crazed black homeless man, Jordan Neely's death, the Marine who put him in a submission hold will now be prosecuted. Another homeless man finds himself in the legal crosshairs, but only for committing a crime against our new national religion. And Title 42 comes to an end as the Biden administration struggles for a response. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Privacy is a right, not a privilege. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, apparently we no longer do individual justice in this country. The typical way we do justice is there is a big social media coverage of an event. And if that event has the right narrative hallmarks, then we demand prosecution of the person and then prosecutors just do it. That's the way we do this thing. We don't investigate crimes and determine whether the the actions actually fit the requisite elements of the crime. Instead, we determine that something is just so hot in the social media sphere and has generated so many protests that somebody must be prosecuted whether or not that person's activities fit the elements of the crime. And this is why, presumably, Daniel Penny, who is the Marine veteran who put a crazed black homeless man in in a headlock, essentially, in a submission hold, and then that person died, now Daniel Penny is going to be charged. Jordan Neely, has a, a, a he had an arrest record as long as your arm 40 plus arrests he, there was an outstanding warrant on Jordan Neely for punching a 67 year old woman in the face he went on a subway in New York City and he started harassing and threatening all the people on the subway and the typical left wing response to this is this is just what you're expected to undergo if you're going to participate in public life if you're going to be on public transportation you are expected to subject yourself to crazed people who have mental illness and drug issues threatening you on the subway system. And if occasionally it breaks out into violence and you get hurt, well, again, that's just the cost of doing business. Well, Jordan Neely went on the subway and he started apparently screaming and yelling at people and threatening them, saying he was happy to go to jail. And then Daniel Penny, who is a person who has been trained in protecting himself and others and has actually trained others because this is what he did with the Marines. He actually was in the Marine training program. He would help train future Marines as well. He came up in the subway behind Jordan Neely and he put him in a submission hold. Now, the reason I use the term submission hold as opposed to chokehold is because, well, they can be used interchangeably. The fact is that a submission hold is designed to cause somebody to submit. It is what you would typically call a blood choke as opposed to an air choke. An air choke is designed to cut off somebody's airways. A blood choke is designed to put pressure on the arteries and therefore deprive oxygen to the brain long enough to make somebody essentially, it's a sleeper hold. It puts somebody into a state of unconsciousness. And if you watch the tape, that's clearly what this Marine is attempting to do. He, he puts this guy in, he puts Jordan Neely in a submission hold. There's a, a black man and Hispanic man who are standing right there trying to also help subdue this crazed homeless person who should not have been on the streets. The only reason he was on the streets is because the system in New York is garbage and it is, it is absolutely incoherently foolish. The way the system would work is that they would arrest Jordan Neely He'd go to jail for five minutes. They'd let him back out on the street. They'd arrest Jordan Neely. They'd let him back out on the street. They would take Jordan Neely and they would sentence him to go to some sort of clean-out facility to get him off drugs. And then he would just walk away. They would send him to a mental health facility and he would just walk away. And that's why he ended up on the street harassing people. Here's the actual tape. I'm going to show you the actual tape of what happened. And now, apparently, Daniel Penny, the Marine in this particular case, is going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter. So here's what happened. Again, you can see. Jordan Neely is on the ground because he's being put in a submission hold by Daniel Penny. There's another man, a black man there, who's trying to hold Jordan Neely's arms there to get him to submit. There's another man, a Hispanic man, who's also trying to get... There are three men there who are trying to hold him down because he was obviously about to get violent with the passengers. Not only that, but as this goes on, 
you'll see Jordan Neely goes unconscious. And then Daniel Penny immediately releases him. He waits for medical care to come. They put him in the in in a in the a position that is designed to prevent him from choking on his own vomit, for example. It is the um a resuscitation position. They move him. Okay, that 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 is what is being shown on the tape. And now New York City has decided that they will charge this Marine, who's a hero. Okay, you're on the subway for a second. It's you on the subway. And you are being harassed, as so often happens on the New York City subway system, by a person with a violent arrest record. And the person just keeps getting closer and yelling at you. And then a Marine comes and puts the person in a submission hold. Is that person a villain who ought to go to jail? Now, you might say, well, why are these they're, they're vigilantes on the streets? Why? Because defense of self and defense of others is actually good activity. The fact that this ended tragically does not mean that the Marine in this case meant for it to end with the death of Jordan Neely. He clearly didn't. If he wanted to kill Jordan Neely, he clearly could have. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about accidentally. Right? He, he's a Marine. He knows how to kill people. He didn't mean to do that, which is why presumably they are charging him with manslaughter. We'll get to what the elements of manslaughter are in just a second. The reason this went viral is because Jordan Neely is a black man and Daniel Penny is a white man. It is that simple. If Daniel Penny were a black man, not only would Daniel Penny not be put on trial right now, Daniel Penny would be given the keys to the city. If Jordan Neely were a white man, you never would have heard about any of this. It never would have made the headlines at all. There have been dozens of people who have died on the New York City subway system over the course of the last couple of years. You don't know the names of any of them. The reason this became an issue is because the media narrative is simple. Daniel Penny is a stand-in for white America. Jordan Neely is a stand-in for black America. Now, it doesn't matter that none of this fits. It doesn't matter, again, that the video shows a black man helping to hold Jordan Neely down. It doesn't matter that Jordan Neely had a really, really long arrest record and had victimized lots and lots of people. And that Daniel Penny is actually a person who serves the country as a Marine. None of that matters. It fit the basic elements that the media are looking for in order to propagate the lie that America is a systemically racist country. Daniel Penny white, Jordan Neely black, Daniel Penny alive, Jordan Neely dead. That's all it takes. And now the idea is going to be that Daniel Penny will be prosecuted, which means, by the way, you ever want to ride the New York City subway system again? And they've been having a real problem getting people to ride that subway because it turns out that very often people go down to the subway system and some crazed homeless person tries to push them in front of a train or hit them with a samurai sword or something. And they won't staff up the police in New York City. They won't allow the police to actually do their jobs because they're afraid that that will create suspicions of systemic racism. And so what that causes is civilians to actually have to do the job that the police are not allowed to do. And then when bad things happen, then civilians are prosecuted. So what that means is no one will use the subway system anymore. This is a great way to clean out a major American city. In fact, the largest American city. Amazing way of doing this. Alvin Bragg, who won't prosecute any crime in the city, has decided to prosecute this thing. He'll prosecute Donald Trump for a seven-year-old payoff to Stormy Daniels, and he will prosecute Daniel Penny. We'll get to the details of the prosecution in just one second. It's insane. It's insane. It's unjust. It's disgusting. We'll get to the details in just one second first. You never know when breaking news is going to hit, which means that my cell phone coverage better be really good because I, I may be anywhere, and I got to make sure that I can pick up the phone and make sure that I know what is going on. This is why I rely on Pure Talk. Pure Talk is giving you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. See, here's the thing. When you go to one of these other guys, they give you that quote-unquote free phone, and then you start out feeling great, and then come the hefty activation fees and the four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. When you switch to Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and data plan, it comes with a mobile hotspot. You get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free, and it's at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. I know because I'm a customer. I take my calls on Pure Talk 
Make the switch to over to Pure Talk. It's the cell phone wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they're proud to stand behind our mission here at The Daily Wire. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team helped me make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. I was even able to keep my phone number. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro for your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. Go check them out right now. Okay, so according to the Wall Street Journal, Daniel Penny, who is 24, will be arrested on a charge of second-degree manslaughter, according to a spokesman for the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, who's an eminently political left-wing prosecutor. Penny is expected to be arraigned today. Bragg's office had previously said it was conducting a criminal investigation into the death of Jordan Neely. And then I love, I just love how the media treat Jordan Neely. Okay, the, the proper descriptor of Jordan Neely, to give you the full context, would be a decade-long homeless person with severe mental illness and drug abuse issues with 40 previous arrests. That would be the, those would be the relevant facts. But are those the facts that you hear? So whenever I read a story from the Wall Street Journal, everybody assumes the Wall Street Journal is conservative. This is incorrect. The Wall Street Journal's editorial page is, in fact, conservative-leaning. The news page for the Wall Street Journal is actually to the left of the New York Times. And the news, the news gathering department of the Wall Street Journal is not a right-wing department. In any case, here's how they describe Jordan Neely. Again, the relevant facts would have been career criminal, threatens people, Outstanding warrant for assault, mentally ill, drug addict, right? These would be the relevant facts because all of those are going to play into the trial. You know what's not going to play into the trial? The fact that he sometimes impersonated Michael Jackson. That's the only fact most Americans are going to know about this case. In the same way that most Americans only think of Michael Brown in the graduation outfit because that's the, the photo that was plastered all over the news. They, they don't think of Michael Brown as the guy who's robbing a convenience store minute, minutes before he tried to take a gun off an officer and shoot him. Okay, so here's how the Wall Street Journal describes it. Mr. Bragg's office had previously said it was conducting a criminal investigation into the, de the death of Jordan Neely, a 30-year-old Michael Jackson impersonator who was killed in the May 1st altercation on a subway train traveling through lower Manhattan. The medical examiner's office ruled that Mr. Neely's death was a homicide caused by compression of the neck. On Thursday, a law firm representing Mr. Penny said he would be absolved of wrongdoing once all the facts surrounding the incident were brought to bear. Now, again, it is very unclear exactly what the medical condition of Jordan Neely was before his death. I mean, we've seen many of these cases of quote-unquote excited delirium where somebody is put into a submission hold. This is probably what happened with George Floyd despite all of the nonsense about how he, there was, no, there was literally no damage to his neck on George Floyd. Hey, the, the, the notion that, that it was not an underlying drug and heart problem that caused the death of George Floyd. Again, I have serious doubts about the verdict in the George Floyd case, but in a statement last week, Penny's lawyer said Neely had been aggressively threatening Penny and other passengers and that Penny acted to protect himself and other passengers. The May 5th statement said Daniel never intended to harm Mr. Neely and could not have foreseen his untimely death. In the moments leading up to this, Neely took off his jacket, aggressively threw it to the floor and was screaming that he was hungry and thirsty and ready to die, which, of course, is rather threatening. People who knew Neely said he wasn't a violent person, but struggled with mental illness. Well, if he wasn't a violent person, why did he punch a 67-year-old woman in the face? There's an outstanding warrant on this. Again, this is, this is insane. It's horrible public policy, by the way. So you, you have about eight bad public policies stacked up on top of one another here. One, you tell the police they're not allowed to do their jobs. Two, you classify mental illness as a policing problem, and then you don't use involuntary commitment to put severely mentally ill people in hospitals where they get the treatment that they actually require, whether they like it or not. Okay, so you make it a policing problem, then you tell the police they can't do their job, then civilians have to do the job, and then when civilians do do the job, then you, then you prosecute them. That is the pattern of behavior here. Now, what exactly is manslaughter in the second degree? Well, according to the penal code in New York, a person acts recklessly, it's reckless reckless manslaughter 
A person acts recklessly with respect to a death when that person engages in conduct which creates or contributes to a substantial and unjustifiable risk that another person's death will occur and when he or she is aware of and consciously disregards that risk. So there's no reason, by the way, for this Marine to think that Jordan Neely was going to die just because he was putting him in a submission hold, which again is the same hold that is used in MMA like on a routine basis. The risk also has to be of such nature and degree that disregard of it constitutes a gross deviation from the standard of conduct a reasonable person would observe in the situation. Now, we all know that this trial is immediately going to become political. It's immediately going to become political. If it happens in New York, there will be serious questions about the racial constituency of the jury, their political positions. It's going to be people who, who have flown Black Lives Matter flags. Or is it not people who have flown Black Lives Matter flags? Is it people who are white or people who are black? Right? I mean, this is going to be the calculus now, which says very poor things about our criminal justice system, particularly, particularly in our major cities. It's absolutely horrifying. And again, the way that the media treat all of this is as though, you know, absolutely normal, homeless person, not threatening, just kind of mumbling to himself, suddenly was attacked and murdered by white Marine, right? That's the story. Now, again, the underlying story here is that the, the system let Jordan Neely be put in this situation. Jordan Neely was not capable of taking care of himself. He was not capable of being safe on the streets. Don't, nobody, by the way, has the right to live on the streets. The system failed Jordan Neely, and then Jordan Neely had a career criminal record. And this is the fairly predictable result of all of that. But that's the way it works in New York. We don't prosecute minor crimes, they say. We don't prosecute minor crimes. And this is true across the nation. Minor crimes will not be prosecuted because to prosecute minor crimes might result in more black people being arrested per capita than white people being arrested per capita. But I have found the one crime for which a black homeless person will be arrested, not for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face, not for jumping turnstiles, not for abusing people on the subway. You're not going to get arrested for any of, of that sort of stuff. In fact, we will then call you, if something bad happens to you, a, Michael, a, a beloved Michael Jackson impersonator, and we will treat you as though you're not, you're not even homeless. You're unhoused. Right? The new lingo has dropped. You're unhoused now because it's our responsibility to house you, even if you don't wish to be housed, even if you're put in a homeless shelter and you run away after 13 days, which is what happened with Jordan Neely, according to the New York Times. But there is one crime, one crime that a black homeless person can commit in which the media will now describe them as a homeless person with mental illness who should go to jail. I'm going to tell you about that crime in just one second. First, summer is here. That means it's time to grill. Yes, yes. Like most Americans, you're probably not wild about spending half your annual salary buying meat at the grocery store, especially considering 85% of it comes from overseas. Well, I have some good news for you. When you subscribe to Good Ranchers, you're not only going to get high quality, amazing meat at an excellent price, you'll also get meat that comes from American farms and ranches. Inflation is on the rise. Good Ranchers is locking in your price for two years. Imagine if you could have locked in your price two years ago, you would have saved hundreds of dollars. You need to change the way you buy meat. Now would be the perfect time to do so. My producer, Savvy, well, she just had a baby. The last thing she needs to be doing is worrying about the food she eats or planning trips to the grocery stores. Well, good news. My friends at Good Ranchers have a Ranchers Classic box on the way to her. Lucky Savvy, because the meat they make, they made me a kosher steak one time. It was so good. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use Code Ben for 30 bucks off any box with Good Ranchers. It can rest easy knowing you're feeding your family with 100% American locally sourced meat delivered straight to your door. That is promo code Ben at GoodRanchers.com for 30 bucks off your order. GoodRanchers.com, promo code Ben. Good Ranchers is, in fact, American meat delivered. Okay, so there is, in fact, one crime in which you will now be called homeless rather than unhoused and in which your race will become irrelevant. It won't matter that you're black when you're arrested. You know what that crime is? Wiping your ass with the pride flag. Not kidding. According to the New York Daily News, here's the headline. Homeless man charged with hate crimes for defecating on two LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign pride flags, according to the NYPD. Well, this is the important stuff. Jordan Neely can be out on the street. 
40 plus arrests, punching old ladies in the face. Totally fine. That's it. Put him back out on the street. It'll be fine. He's an unhoused Michael Jackson impersonator. But, but, B-U-T-T, if you are a homeless man who is black, Fred Innocent, by the way, the, the names here are just beyond parody. Fred Innocent, 45, walked into Busio 95, a tapas bar on West 95th Street and Broadway on the Upper West Side on April 15th, about 10 a.m. As the day crew was setting up, he grabbed two rainbow flags off a table, cops said. He then relieved himself on one of the banners and cleaned himself with the other. This was a total hate crime, said restaurant owner Courtney Barrel. He came in within 15 minutes of us opening up the restaurant. He could have gone to Popeye's or McDonald's around the corner. He could have used napkins. He could have used napkins. She said she puts the flags up in the restaurant to show she's welcoming to the gay community. We support everyone no matter what kind of background, race or lifestyle, Barrel told the Daily News. She felt innocent zeroed in on the flags because of intolerance. He took the only two flags in the area. He used one to defecate and the other to wipe his ass, she said. Restaurant porter Enrique Trujillo discovered the mess as he cleaned the dining shed. I smelled something really bad, Trujillo said shortly after the incident. <laughs> yes, poop smells bad. When I started to clean near the corners, that's when I saw it. And oh, the hue and cry, the rending of garments, the sackcloth and the ashes. Ah, oh, the man carried out his disgusting act beneath a surveillance camera, said Trujillo. Beryl said hate crimes detectives work tirelessly to track innocent down. You will leave that homeless guy who punched the old lady in the face. You will leave him on the subway system threatening others. That's fine. That's America. But if you, you black homeless man, if you wipe your ass with the fried flag, we will work tirelessly to track you down. You have violated the civil religion of the United States of America. If you wipe your ass with the American flag, this makes you a Democratic nominee for president, probably. But if you wipe your ass with the pride flag, my friend, that is when all the resources of law enforcement will be brought to bear. That is when you are... Put him in, put him in jail, lock him up, throw away the key, maybe the electric chair, maybe a rubber hose. I don't know. I mean, like all the... This is one of the worst crimes I've ever heard of. Clearly. I mean, it's not like people are being thrown in front of subway trains in New York. It's not as though there's like been a major uptick in crime, violent crime in New York or anything. Again, the hate crimes detectives work tirelessly to track innocent down. They, they put the entire crew on it, going through fingerprinting the poop, making sure that all those... I want to thank the NYPD detectives for catching him. She said they worked so hard on this. Innocent, whose address comes back to a Harlem shelter because he's a homeless person, was charged with burglary, harassment, and trespassing all as hate crimes. He was arrested in Midtown. He was waiting arraignment as of Wednesday evening. If I'm asked to go to court, I'm going to press for the maximum charge possible, the restaurant owner said. Innocence has had several prior run-ins with the law. In January of this year, he was arrested for burglary after swiping a purse from an employees-only area of Manhattan Hotel, said the cops. Last October, he was busted for grand larceny. In 2007 and 1998, he was hit with felony assault charges in the Bronx. So let's just be straight about this. The felony assault charge is not what's going to land him in jail for a long period of time. It is taking the flag of our Lord and Savior, Pride, and wiping his ass with it. That is, that, that is, America will not stand for this. No, no way. The crime, the, the penalty for blasphemy is death. It's death. So we have now discovered the only crime that the left wants to police. And that is violation of the civic religion of pride. That's, that's very exciting stuff. Unsurprisingly, it turns out that all of our cities, major cities are now in a doom loop. How bad are things? This is, this is an amazing story. Baltimore, the city of Baltimore, they're having a series of carjackings. So basically, if you leave your car in Baltimore, just expect it's not going to be there in the morning. 
So what is the city of Baltimore doing? Are they cracking down on crime? You've got to be kidding. Of course they're not cracking down on crime. That'd be ridiculous. If they cracked down on crime, they might arrest too many black people and that would be systemically racist. Can't do that. So what is the city of Baltimore doing? Get ready for this. According to the Baltimore Banner, they have now filed a federal lawsuit against car manufacturers Kia and Hyundai joining a number of cities who say the companies created a public nuisance by making cars that can be easily stolen. I'm not kidding you. The lawsuit says that Hyundai and Kia's decision to put cost savings and profits over public safety has had significant consequences for Baltimore and its residents, as it has in other cities. Cleveland, St. Louis, and Seattle, all cities that are dominated by crime now, are among other cities that started suing the car companies earlier this year. Baltimore's lawsuit says the companies failed to keep up with industry standards. They claim it was the result of business decisions made to reduce costs and boost profits. The dramatically increased rates of Hyundai and Kia theft in Baltimore has required city and police resources that would not have been needed. But for Hyundai and Kia's deliberate failures, the lawsuit says, car thieves, many of them teenagers, take advantage of these failures and engage in reckless driving, creating substantial safety risks to themselves and Baltimore residents and their properties. So you, you know what you could do is you could actually, you know, police crime. Instead, the city of Baltimore has given up on that. We're not going to arrest any criminal. Again, the only crime in America for which you will now be arrested is paying Stormy Daniels off to shut her face or apparently wiping your ass with the pride flag. Those are the crimes. If you steal cars habitually in Baltimore, we sue the car manufacturer. The city sues the car manufacturer. You guys are making your cars too easy to steal, man. You got to cut that out. You got to make it hard to steal your cars. Okay, in, in just one second, we'll get to the other major government failure of the day, aside from crime, and that, of course, is immigration first. A good life insurance plan will give you some peace of mind. And you can see that all of this is chaotic and insane. A good life insurance plan can give you the peace of mind that if something happens to you, your family will have a safety net to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It won't follow you if you leave your job. Since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now would be the time to buy. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 25 bucks per month for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as we can avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Now, I have life insurance. Everyone should have life insurance. It's just the responsible thing to do. Policy Genius's licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, which means they have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another. You can trust their guidance. There are no added fees. Your personal information remains private. Your loved ones deserve that financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro, policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Alrighty. Meanwhile, the immigration crisis on our southern border has now broken completely out into the open. That, of course, is no surprise because Title 42 restrictions have now ended. According to the Washington Post, President Biden began sweeping aside his predecessor's restrictive immigration policies on his very first day in office, but he left one major Trump measure in place. That'd be Title 42. Title 42 was the COVID era precaution that said that border officials could just turn people away at the border, whether they were applying for asylum, not applying for asylum. You arrive, you might have COVID. Goodbye. We'll see you later. On Thursday, the policy expired along with the federal government's coronavirus emergency status. And the disaster is upon us. Tens of thousands of people arriving at the southern border. More than 10,000 people attempting to enter the border every single day. Joe Biden won't take any questions about it. So this is a picture yesterday from the White House Rose Garden. Um, Joe Biden is uh, way back there over by the actual White House. Jackie Heinrich, who's a reporter, she said, White House restricts reporters behind a rope at the far back of the Rose Garden during Biden's only public event today, eliminating the chance of even a shouted question hours before Title 42 lifts. 
The media, of course, accept this, as you wrote, because, of course, they work for Joe Biden, not the other way around. He doesn't work for the American people. They don't work for the American people. They work for each other. Joe Biden works for the press. The press work for Joe Biden. And then both of them work to bamboozle the American people. They're apparently perfectly happy to be placed at the... I remember when this was like a big deal when Trump did it. You remember that, that there were certain reporters who were put further away and it was like a major national scandal. Yeah, not so much anymore because, of course, you know, they know where the, their bread is buttered and it's buttered by Joe Biden. So what exactly is the Biden administration planning to do? According to NBC News, after more than 11,000 migrants were caught crossing the southern border on Tuesday alone, the Biden administration is now preparing a memo that will direct Customs and Border Protection to begin releasing migrants into the United States without court dates or the ability to track them. The Biden administration began releasing migrants without court dates to alleviate overcrowding in March 2021, but had previously enrolled those migrants in a program known as Alternatives to Detention. That requires them to check in on a mobile app until they're eventually given a court date, which is what you're going to do, right? You're going to check in on that mobile app, app, obviously. Like, they release you, and you come here, they release you into the country. Instead of you just disappearing into the interior, going and finding a job someplace, maybe getting some state welfare benefits or something, instead of doing that, you're going to check in meticulously every day for your court date. That's, that's what you're going to do on your cell phone, on the crappy app, which, by the way, does not even work. The new policy would release them on parole with a note to report to an ICE office, but without even enrolling them in the program. So it's basically now voluntary for you to show up. Now, if it's voluntary for you to show up, are you going to show up? Because ICE has been told by Joe Biden in the interior of the country not to find people and deport them. So are you going to show up for any of these things or are you just going to go about your life? The more than 11,000 border apprehensions in a single day is a record and surpasses expectations of 10,000 per day predicted by DHS. We're already breaking. We haven't even hit the starting line, said one DHS official. So things are going absolutely swimmingly. You can see uh, some of the border footage. Here is um, here are thousands of Haitians forming in Mexico across from McAllen, Texas. Literally thousands of them waiting to cross the southern border. Do you see how many women and children there are in this crowd? Tons of women. Oh, no, sorry. These are all young working age men who are attempting to get in, I noticed. Like all of them. I'll just, I'll just awaiting the end of Title 42. They're showing up at the border, awaiting the end of Title 42. And they're being very clear about why they are arriving now. One migrant was, was uh, talking to the media, said, there's a reason I came right now. It's because Title 42 is ending, told CNN. Y una pregunta, eh, ¿usted está enterado del título 42 y que iban a abrir la, eh, la frontera como antes de la pandemia? Were you aware of Title 42 and that they were going to open the border com, uh, like before the pandemic? Sí, sí, sí. Está sí por eso viniste, but that's why you came. Claro, igual que mucha gente. Yeah. Yep, that's why he showed up. He showed up because Title 42 is ending. And he knows that Joe Biden has no plan and will just release him into the interior of the United States. Not only are they being released into the interior, they're now getting the Biden phones, which is very exciting. So migrants apparently are now being handed Biden phones. Why? So they can check in on their court dates. How many of, do you think they're going to be uh, checking in on the court dates from the cell phone? Or maybe they'll, they'll use the cell phone for something else. Well, what do you think? This is from the post-millennial footage of illegal immigrants being handed phones. Those are your taxpayer dollars being handed to uh, people. It's good. They can check their Instagram. That's the really important thing. They're there at the border being handed phones. You can see ICE officials in the background, quarter, border protection officials in the background. And then they have like a sheet of paper and it's telling them, oh, you should check in on your court date. They're like, well, you know, I do have to check my, uh, I do have to check my Snapchat. So that, that's all going extremely well. Meanwhile, the only people who apparently are taking this seriously at all are members of the Texas National Guard. So Greg Abbott has activated the National Guard in Texas to actually build barbed wire fencing along the border. And you can see there's like an actual border now with barbed wire fencing. This should be the job of the federal government. Federal government ain't doing it. So it's got to be the Texas National Guard.
And here at this particular border, you actually do see some people carrying small children. So they, they're, they're attempting to cross that river, come across, and they're like, why are you guys stopping us? Well, you're being stopped because you're not allowed to enter countries without the permission of those countries, typically speaking. Now, if Donald Trump had done this, then the media would be like, oh, my God, look how cruel. Look at the cruel brutality of Donald Trump. But it's Joe Biden doing it, which means he's a kindly elderly gentleman who just likes to sniff the hair of young minor children. So uh, that's it's all fine, probably. Meanwhile, the Democrats have no plan whatsoever on the border. None. House Republicans passed a border security bill yesterday. It's dead on arrival. The measure passed 219 to 213. The legislation is known as the Secure the Border Act of 2023. It would mandate that CBP hire enough border patrol agents to maintain a staff of 22,000 and develop a plan to upgrade existing technology to make sure that agents are actually well-equipped. It would also require the Homeland Security Secretary to resume construction of the border wall. The bill is unlikely to become law. Democrats hold a slim majority in the Senate, and the White House, of course, is issuing a veto threat this week. In a joint statement after the bill passed, House GOP leaders said that Republicans are taking action to address the chaos at our nation's borders by delivering legislation that will support our border patrol agents, block the flow of fentanyl into our country, and put an end to the Biden border crisis. The White House issued a statement this week saying that while they support productive efforts to reform the country's immigration system, it opposes the GOP-sponsored bill. It says it would make elements of our immigration system worse. Why? Well, according to the White House, quote, the legislation does nothing to address the root causes of migration, reduces humanitarian protections and restricts lawful pathways, which are critical alternatives to unlawful entry. In other words, what we actually need to do is just release them on asylum. It's amazing. So this White House is turning down actual money for more Border Patrol agents right now in the middle of Title 42 ending. And meanwhile, what are Dem what's Democrat solution? Democrat solution is that they actively, some of them who actually care about the border issue, at least a little bit, they actually want to extend the Title 42. Okay, now Title 42, remember, is a pandemic era protection from health and human services saying you can't come in because you might have COVID. So the, the Democrats don't actually want to just up border security permanently. Instead, they want this temporary salve in which we pretend that COVID is still an ongoing problem. Sherrod Brown is now joining Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to urge the administration to extend Title 42 for two years, for two years. So instead of actually passing a law that would increase border security, instead what they're going to do is pretend that the COVID crisis is still ongoing with regard to illegal immigration. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Meanwhile, Alejandro Mayorkas is blaming Congress. Doesn't matter that the House Republicans just passed a border security bill. Mayorkas, because he works for the Democrats and is a Democrat administration official, he says it's Congress's fault. Our current situation is the outcome of Congress leaving a broken, outdated immigration system in place for over two decades, despite unanimous agreement that we desperately need legislative reform. It is also the result of Congress's decision not to provide us with the resources we need and that we requested. Oh, so it's, it's about Congress. Or alternatively, you have the power under law to actually enforce the border and you're not doing any of it. In fact, Mayorkas was asked specifically how much open borders cost the American taxpayers. He's like, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that. No way. We'll get to that momentarily. First, let's talk about the fact that our country seems to be headed in the wrong direction. You may have noticed. Well, there is one organization working to correct that. That is PragerU. PragerU videos could help save the future of the country. PragerU makes educational pro-American content that has been changing people's minds for over a decade. Their impact is pivotal in these times. Did you know that 70% of viewers have changed their minds after watching a PragerU video? Did you know that 60% of viewers are under the age of 35? My friends at PragerU are reaching millions of people with their educational videos, but they still have a long way to go. You can help PragerU reach thousands more by joining Club 5 for just five bucks or more per month. 
Five bucks per month is only 17 cents per day, so it's a pretty good deal to help save the country. Go to PragerU.com slash Club5 right now to join. Your gift will ensure that PragerU has the support it needs to be here for the long haul. When you join Club 5, you receive a free PragerU bumper sticker, an ebook of scripts from PragerU's five-minute videos as well. That's PragerU.com slash Club 5 today. PragerU, they're basically a sister company. They, they do amazing work in helping to get conservative messages out to the younger generation. Literally hundreds of millions, billions of people have seen their stuff. PragerU.com slash Club 5 to help them out today. Okay, meanwhile, the good news is that Alejandro Mayorkas, he has his eye on the ball, the Secretary of Homeland Security. He was asked about open borders, how much they're costing the American taxpayer. He's like, eh, good job, Alejandro. What's the rough cost to American taxpayers since the roughly 4 million people have come into this country illegally? Let me turn that question uh, around a little bit because um, I'm going to turn it around to match the question that an international partner asked of me. And the question that the international partner asked of me is, what is the economic cost of your broken immigration system? Since there are uh, businesses around this country that are desperate for workers, there are desperate workers looking for jobs, in, desperate workers in foreign countries that are looking for jobs in the United States where they can earn money lawfully and send much-needed remittances back home. What is the cost of a broken immigration system? That's an amazing, what? So he's asked, how much does it cost taxpayers that we're bringing in, you know, millions of illegal immigrants? He's like, I don't like your question. Let me ask you a question that I do like. That question is, why wouldn't we want 100 million people to come into the country and send remittances back to their home country? What? The, that, what? That? And then you wonder why people think it's an open borders country. It's because of you. It's you. You're the one doing it. And then he insists, no, no, we don't have an open border. Here's a, here is America saying, you know, we turned a lot of people away last year. We don't have no... Five million people have entered the country illegally approximately since Joe Biden took office. That's why people think there's an open border. And right now, according to NBC News, you are literally taking people and releasing them into the interior without a court date and no way to follow up. And you're saying there's not an open border? That's weird because all the migrants who are showing up think there is. Going back to October of last year, there were more than a million apprehensions, but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways. That's roughly the, the size of the population of the city of Baltimore. How can you say that the border is not open? So um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 uh, million people last year. Ask those 1.4 million people if, if they think uh, the border is open. Um, well, I mean, everyone who's rushing the border seems to think the border is open, I noticed. Even Jay Johnson, the former Homeland Security Secretary under Barack Obama, he's like, yeah, um, they're doing a crap job. When, Jay, when you've lost Jay Johnson, you've lost everybody. Do you think, though, because the Obama administration was criticized for its deportations by a lot of Democrats, do you think that the Biden administration has been strong enough throughout on sending that message clearly? Or have they not? And that is why we see the numbers we see now. Well, first of all, no matter what you do in this space, somebody's going to be very unhappy. Somebody's going to be very upset and screaming loudly from the right or the left or both. I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen throughout the last two and a half years, a consistent message that <clears throat> consistent with our values as, uh, as Americans, you know, we treat migrants fairly humanely, but there is a right way 
in a wrong way to come here. And if you come here the wrong way, we will send you back. Wow. I mean, they had to pry those words out of Jay Johnson with like a crowbar. Every five, every five words. <laughs> yes, they're doing a bad job. By the way, so did you. You also did a crappy job on the border, Jay Johnson. This is how we ended up in this position in the first place. One of the funnier aspects in this very tragic situation right now is how Democratic cities are now freaking out over a few thousand illegal immigrants arriving. So Chicago residents, they're now on tape erupting over migrants. This is at a local board meeting, erupting over migrants arriving in Chicago. Is that we really establish that this is a humanitarian crisis and we're here. South Shore residents responded with resounding rejection. While this crisis may constitute an emergency for the city of Chicago, it does not constitute an emergency for the South Shore community. When it comes to the total number of people at South Shore at any given point in time, it is fluid. We'd start with 250, 500. How could you do that without consulting us? Okay, so it's it's funny to watch all the people who vote for Democrats suddenly realize they voted for Democrats. So, um, you, yep, you guys, this this one's on you. This one's on you. Meanwhile, Eric Adams, it's over. He won't put actual criminals in jail. But according to Politico, Eric Adams, mayor of New York, this is the headline. Adams considers housing migrants in shuttered prison. That's right. He's going to actually house the illegal immigrants. He's going to make them non-unhoused. He's going to house them in a jail. Oh, the symbolic, the symbolic richness. So you won't put people in jail who are like actual violent criminals in New York City unless they happen to be like a Marine who tried to stop a violent criminal from harming and assaulting other people. That guy maybe you'll throw in jail in, in New York City. But you will definitely make sure that the migrants, who you love so much, it's a sanctuary city, guys. You know where your sanctuary is? In that jail. That's where you're saying... <laughs> I feel like that's that's sort of the opposite of like a sanctuary, I feel like. If, can, like, what? Can you imagine the hunchback of Notre Dame and 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 you, you have just Quasimodo on the top of a jail shouting sanctuary. Like, what, this is what sanctuary is? According to Politico, Mayor Eric Adams said he would consider housing migrants in a closed Hudson Valley prison during a call with county officials Thursday as New York City struggles to find accommodation for thousands more asylum seekers. In audio of the call obtained exclusively by Politico, Adams made it clear his administration needs assistance from neighboring counties as the city has already provided housing, food, and other services to more than 65,000 asylum seekers over the past year. He didn't rule out the suggestion from Newburgh Supervisor Gil Piquadio that the mayor consider vacant housing at SUNY New Paltz, as well as shuttered downtown correctional facility in nearby Fishkill, Dutchess County. Oh, goodness gracious. That is uh, some rich symbolism there. Well, the, the loser journalist of the day covering all of this is always and forever the worst journalist in the White House correspondence room is, um, is April Ryan. Yeah, that, that In that press room, she is just a disaster area. So she is supposedly a reporter. And yesterday... She had to even be correct. Like Alejandro Mayorkas actually had to correct her because she was too crazed and left wing yesterday at the White House. She was pushing the claim that border agents were whipping migrants. You remember this debunked claim that was originally pushed by the Biden White House? Southern border is not just Mexicans. It is Haitians. It's Africans, as we've seen, particularly with that issue with the Haitians um, being whipped with the reins or the horses. But what is there? Well, let me just uh, correct you right there, because actually the investigation concluded that the whipping did not occur. I'm sorry. I saw it differently. They were whipped with something from the horse, range from a horse. I, I Maybe the, the video or the picture was fixed, but what I saw was totally different. I'm sorry, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to leave you as uh, 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 corrected. <laughs> oh, our journalistic experts. They all work for each other. Well, meanwhile, if Joe Biden isn't running the border into the ground, it, it, it is amazing. You know who's done an amazing job on the border? I'll tell you. Kamala Harris. Kamala, she's done an amazing job on the border, has Kamala Harris. You remember, he put her in charge of the border policy, and it's going amazing. You know what else he just put Kamala Harris in charge of? Apparently, he put her in charge of AI. I'm not kidding. He, she's now holding AI meetings, which is weird since she is herself. Maybe this is the inside game that AI is playing with us because Kamala Harris is just a really badly prototyped development of AI. She's a really crappy predictive text mechanism, like way worse than ChatGPT. So actually, they, it's, they're playing an inside game. Kamala Harris actually is AI. This is how the world ends. But when they're not screwing up the border, the, uh, the administration is screwing up the economy. So Joe Biden just postponed a debt ceiling meeting. Now, you may recall that Janet Yellen, our hobbit treasury of the secretary, said just last week that we were going to hit the debt ceiling, like not have enough money, as of the beginning of June. You also may have noticed that it is currently mid-May. So every day would count in terms of the negotiations, would it not? Nah, Joe Biden's like, whatever, all right, you know, there's plenty of time outlocks on. According to the Wall Street Journal, a highly anticipated meeting scheduled for Friday between Biden and congressional leaders to chart a path forward on lifting the debt ceiling was postponed until next week. There's plenty of time, guys, plenty of time. The delay will give White House and congressional staff more time to make progress in their closed-door spending talks, according to the officials, adding that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was unable to attend. Biden and the Democratic leaders have called on Republicans to agree to lift the debt ceiling without any preconditions. So here's how the negotiations so far have gone. Republicans pass a bill lifting the debt ceiling, but saying that spending should remain at 2022 levels. And Joe Biden has said, I'm not doing anything. So the negotiation so far goes, one side says, we will do many of the things you want, but we will do some of the things we want. And the other side says, no, I'm not doing anything. Negotiations are going splendidly. Joe Biden is handling this just like a pro. Kevin McCarthy, correctly, the House Speaker, he's like, um, you know, I noticed that there's a debt ceiling deadline and Joe Biden doesn't seem to care. How has the president handled this? The exact same way he's handled the border. He ignores it and hopes it goes away. But President Biden and Senator Schumer are stuck on no. They have no plan, no proposed savings, and no clue. Apparently, President Biden doesn't want a deal he wants a default. Mr. President, my message is very simple. Do not miss another deadline. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is stuck again between that rock and the hard place. They have said that they are going to pause, basically, all of the uh, interest rate increases, which, of course, means that inflation is now embedded in the economy. The inflation rate is still stuck around 5% or two and a half times what the Federal Reserve was supposed to have it at. They're going to pause that. The reason they're pausing it is because if they raise those interest rates, they devalue all of the bond assets that are being held by the regional banks. And if that happens, all those regional banks are going to go under. Those regional banks are in trouble anyway because everybody is shifting their money out of the regional banks that are giving them an interest rate that is way lower than you get in a money market account. According to the Wall Street Journal, shares of PacWest Bank Corp fell 23% on Thursday, dragging down other mid-sized banks as well after PacWest disclosed another round of deposit flight. The bank said in a securities filing, it lost 9.5% of total deposits just last week. PacWest stock was halted several times because of volatile trading. So we are not remotely done with the fiscal crisis that we have in store. And inflation is now embedded in the American economy. Slow clap for the geniuses over at the White House. Well, meanwhile, CNN is feeling all the fallout from its town hall with Donald Trump. They committed the grave sin of having Donald Trump on their network. Now, listen, I think that CNN did Trump an enormous favor, as we talked about yesterday, because Trump was funny and he was aggressive. And that's kind of what Republican voters want to see. 
Trump thrives on opposition. Kaylin Collins and CNN provided him with the opposition and a warm in-person crowd to cheer the op- to cheer him in slamming Kaylin Collins through a wall. So it was like a big win for Trump. It was a win for CNN in the sense that they got big ratings out of it, which presumably is what Chris Licht was looking for, the new head of CNN. According to Mediaite, CNN's town hall with Trump landed atop the cable news ratings at 8 p.m. on Wednesday. It beat both Fox News and MSNBC during the time slot. Nielsen's fast national data showed CNN scoring 3.12 million total voters viewers and a whopping 703,000 viewers in the 25 to 54 age demographic. And those numbers are actually significantly higher. They, they ended up at 3.31 million viewers because of online viewing and lag viewing. MSNBC came in second at 1.36. Fox was in third with 1.35 million total viewers. Fox's decline in the ratings uh, has been precipitous since the firing of Tucker Carlson, obviously. Well, you'd imagine the people at CNN would be real happy about this. No, I mean, they like the ratings. They actually, like, they want Trump to actually be the nominee. I mean, pretty clearly they, they want it because he's good for the ratings and because they think he's the most beatable. But the journalists over at CNN, and I mean faux journalists here, they're actually really upset. They're really upset because anything that makes Trump look remotely good reflects badly on them. And they, of course, have a split personality with regard to Trump. They both think that he's a Hitlerian fascist, and they also think that he ought to be the nominee. And the reason he ought to be the nominee is because all of their political opponents are Hitlerian fascists. And if he's the nominee then he might, he'll be more likely to lose and the Hitlerian fascists lose. Now, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There's every shot that they end up getting Trump nominated and then he actually wins, which would be, you know, hilarious, darkly hilarious in terms of CNN. But Anderson Cooper went on the air last night and he lamented his own network even airing a town hall with Donald Trump. He, he sort of defended it, but then he's like, you have every right not to watch this network. First of all, Chris Lick should fire him right away, shouldn't he? And can you imagine any other host on any other network being like, you don't want, you know what? If you boycott the place I work for, that's fine with me. Here's Anderson Cooper really going for it. Before we begin with tonight's broadcast, I want to say something about what we witnessed at last night's town hall. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. So in other words, It's not just that you should hear from Trump because he's the leading Republican contender right now. You should hear from him because your evil step aunt also agrees with Donald Trump, says Anderson Cooper. But, but, you know, you really don't, you don't have to, um, you don't have to watch CNN anymore. You have a right not to watch CNN anymore. We understand if you never, if you never watch it again because you're so angry that we showed Donald Trump's picture. All they do is make him stronger. All they do is make him stronger. If they strike him down, he becomes more powerful than they could possibly imagine. This is the world, like the media are making Trump powerful. Now, at some level, they have to understand this. At some level, they have to understand that they've discovered the secret sauce, which is the more they oppose a candidate, the more they elevate the candidate. And so they've now shifted their fire away from Ron DeSantis and back toward Trump. They've decided that the more they, like CNN had vowed never to have Trump on again, right? They, he, was, he was evil. Now they're having him back on again. He has ratings for them and they want him nominated. So it's like a big win for them. Meanwhile, E. Jean Carroll is not going away. Right, Eugene Carroll, who just won a $5 million defamation judgment against Donald Trump, despite the absurdity of her original claims and the unverifiability of the claims, 
and the fact that she had a cat whose name was Vagina. Despite all of that, she apparently is thinking about suing Donald Trump again. <laughs> Why not, man? Just go right back to the well. According to the New York Times, when former President Donald J. Trump was inveighing against E. Jean Carroll on CNN Wednesday night, at least one person was not watching, Miss Carroll. She was asleep, did not learn of his comments, calling her story her claim of a decades-old sexual assault fake and a made-up story until Thursday morning when her lawyer sent her a transcript. She said it's stupid, disgusting, vile, foul, it wounds people. And, uh, and then her lawyers said that maybe we should sue him again. Maybe we should sue him again. She's now weighing whether to file a new defamation lawsuit against Trump, said her lawyer, Roberta Kaplan. Oh, why not, man? She has an earlier defamation against, uh, suit against Trump that is still pending. So she's going to make her, um, she's going to make bank off of, off of this story that is completely unverifiable because people hate Trump in New York City. It's just like an endless well of money for her. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign has issued a new ad. It is hilarious to watch the Trump campaign run an entirely separate campaign from Donald Trump. Like, it's actually really, really funny. So Donald Trump's campaign is, Agent Carroll is the worst, terrible, horrible person. Alvin Bragg, they call him Alvin Bragg. He's terrible. Why is he brother? Stormy Daniels. Sto- horse face, horse face, Stormy Daniels, horse face. They call her horse face. Is that like 2020 election, rigged, stolen, unbelievable. They took it. They stole it from him. They stole it from you. They right, that's his, that, like, so that's what Donald Trump is personally doing. Meanwhile, his campaign is over here being like, Let's talk about the issues. So here is Donald Trump's campaign ad, which is good. His campaign is doing the right thing. And Donald Trump's campaign is just festivus, right? It's just the grievance festival of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, his campaign is running like an actual campaign. So here is his campaign ad. It's morning again in America. And thanks to Joe Biden, our borders are now wide open for all to come. Our schools free from parental involvement. Mediocre male athletes now given the opportunity to compete unfairly. Under Biden's unprecedented inflation, the hope of home ownership gone, and young adults forced to abandon seeking the American dream to live in their parents' basement longer. Biden's disastrous withdrawal from <laughs> Afghanistan left billions in weapons behind and American lives taken. Our police ranks now shrinking. Yet Biden spends billions creating an army of 80,000 new IRS agents. Why would we ever accept the incompetence and weakness of Biden when we could have the freedom, security, and economic prosperity we enjoyed just three years ago? I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Okay, so like Trump's campaign ad, that's like about Joe Biden, you noticed. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's like, want to talk about me? <laughs> Want to talk about me? Ooh. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that, that's going to be your, your choice. I mean, for Republican primary voters, you can enjoy Trump. I enjoyed the hell out of him the other night on CNN. I mean, it was, it was very entertaining. But do you want the campaign to be about Joe Biden or do you want to be about Donald Trump? So meanwhile, Ron DeSantis over in Florida, who has not yet declared for the presidency, but will, I would assume, any day now, he is, uh, he's continuing to hammer against Joe Biden. Right, so he did a presser the other day. He banned all vax mandates for COVID in the state of Florida. And he said these vaccine mandates were not about controlling COVID. They're about controlling your behavior. The administrative state uh, trying to deprive people of the right to put food on the table for their family, that you either do this or you don't work or you don't eat. Um, that was a disgrace to this country that they tried to do that. And we fought them every step of the way on that. But I think the fact that you see that, that shows you for sure uh, these restrictions and these mandates 
The purpose of them was not to safeguard your health. The purpose of them was to control your behavior. Well, of course, that is true. Now, listen, is Ron DeSantis as entertaining a person as Donald Trump? No, I mean, I'm not sure there has ever been a person as entertaining as, as Donald Trump. Like, if you take all the Hollywood product for the last 20 years and combine it into one movie, it's still not as entertaining as Donald Trump. But the question is, who's most likely to beat Joe Biden? Again, if the focus is on Joe Biden, the answer is Joe Biden is the person most likely to beat Joe Biden. If the focus is on Donald Trump, I'm not sure how that election goes. I'm not sure anybody else knows how that election goes. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, Elon Musk has now announced that he is going to sign a new CEO. This person is apparently named Linda Yaccarino. She is the head of advertising for NBC Universal. She's the chairman of Global Advertising and Partnerships at NBCU. She's been there for more than a decade. She's been an industry advocate for finding better ways to measure the effectiveness of advertising. Now, presumably the reason that that Musk is doing this is twofold. One, the stock, the Tesla stock has has been dropping because he's not putting his attention on Tesla. He's focused in on Twitter for which he spent some $44 billion, which is a wild overpay. I mean, that, that is like a, that is like a Hulu series special, Elizabeth Holmes level overpay for for Twitter. I mean, it's not worth a fraction of that, but good for Elon Musk because he's at least freed Twitter for people to actually use without having to worry that if they call a man a man, they might be banned. He is, he's now talking about putting somebody there who actually will bring in the revenue because let's be real, Twitter is going to be reliant on advertising revenue. He said that he had hired a new CEO. He didn't say who it was on Twitter. He said she'll be starting in about six weeks. So who exactly is Linda Yacarina? Well, there are a lot of people who are upset because She is apparently associated with the World Economic Forum. Now, to be fair to Yaccarino, the World Economic Forum is a disgrace and a horrible place. Also, there are a wide variety of people who have attended like a World Economic Forum festival. I mean, like there are a lot of people on all sides. If she went there to yell at people or to discuss with people why they are wrong, I don't see it as a huge issue. So the the fact that she's associated with the World Economic Forum raises flags, obviously, but it doesn't necessarily mean that she's on the side of the hardcore political left. Some, again, according to the Washington Post, the fact that she has worked with the WEF, you know, a lot of people are saying that's a sign she'll return Twitter to its old ways, but presumably Musk would not allow any of that to happen. He's still going to be the boss and he's capable of firing her. He said the platform's commitment to open source transparency and accepting a wide range of viewpoints remains unchanged. She was appointed by Donald Trump to serve a two-year term on his Council on Sport, Fitness, and Nutrition as well. On the other hand, she was also a member of the Ad Council and partnered with the Biden White House to create a COVID vaccine campaign featuring Pope Francis. Musk and Yaccarino are apparently friendly. They appeared on stage together in Miami Beach just a couple of weeks ago. If you look at her Twitter follows, she follows a lot of right-wing figures, including me, for full disclosure. I, I, don't, I don't know her. I've never met her. I don't know much about her. Uh, suffice it to say that Musk is going to remain in control of the company. Appointing a CEO to try to monetize his company doesn't seem like the worst thing. We don't know how Yaccarino is going to ask, but you know the proof is going to be in the pudding is, is all I would suggest. So I will, uh, I'll withhold judgment until I see actually how she does as CEO of Twitter. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. There is a really, really good book called The Making of Modern Economics by Mark Skuzin. I'm constantly asked to recommend books on economics. There's a really good book. It's very readable. Basically, it's a history of economics. It's very entertaining. Mark Skuzin doesn't just talk about the ideas of various economists. He talks about how they flow one into another. He talks about their lives and how their lives affected their take on economics. Uh, it is it is well worth the read. Mark Skuzin's The Making of Modern Economics. Okay, time for a bevy of things that I hate today. Okay, so according to Daily Wire, a California college, community college history professor is now in big trouble because he handed out 
Jeremy's Chocolate Bars to students. David Richardson is a self-described gay conservative, and he stocked a bowl of candy with Jeremy's he, him, she, her chocolate bars, inviting Madeira Community College students at an open house to help themselves, according to George Washington University law professor and blogger Jonathan Turley. School officials apparently took the act as an endorsement of the gender binary. Richardson told Turley he'd been suspended, banned from non-public spaces on campus, denied access to his email. As the school investigates him for serious misconduct, Richardson, again, who is gay and has been teaching for 33 years, said that a staff member started taking pictures of the candy bars and kept trying to bait me. Nothing happened until he received a letter on Monday. Apparently, this constitutes a hostile work environment, says the college officials. They claimed it was harassment and discrimination against colleagues based on gender. Richardson is already in the middle of a lawsuit against the state center Community College District, which he sued after it sanctioned him for his behavior during a mandatory pronoun etiquette seminar that was led by a trans-identifying professor in October 2021. So, first of all, hilarious. Second of all, frightening. So if you say that boys and girls exist, or if you just put out a chocolate bar that's just the same, then apparently you could be fired from your job as a community college professor. Well, folks, that's a terrible story. It's a, it's a story that might put you in a bad mood, but you know what will put you in a better mood? Eating the same chocolate that is getting this professor in trouble. You should have Jeremy's chocolate at hand because Jeremy believes every free American should have the right to hand out whatever chocolate he or she sees fit. And that's why right now you can get the delicious Jeremy's, he, him, and she, her chocolate bars in microaggression size. So pre-order Jeremy's chocolate right now, conveniently available for Halloween. Go to jeremyschocolate.com, pre-order today. That's an insane story of the day. But that's not even quite as insane as what is happening with regard to children's TV. Again, there's a reason we here at Daily Wire are spending $100 million to make children's TV. And it is because you cannot turn to children's TV and just leave your kids in front of it without worrying that they are going to be indoctrinated with a bunch of non-binary gender ideological bullcrap. There's a show. It is apparently called Transformers Earthspark. I have not watched one minute of the show because why would I? But apparently it is from Paramount+. Plus. It is also on Nickelodeon, I believe. There's an episode of Transformers Earthspark in which children are taught. And this is a show for kids who are maybe six, seven years, six, seven, six through ten, maybe, in which they are taught about the gender non-binary beauty, the beauty of gender non-binary terminology. Here we go. Morgan, can you switch? Uh... Light shades pronouns are they that? He or she just doesn't fit who I am. My apologies. Please switch their piece. Okay. Uh, by, by the way, that's the second clip in this in this show where uh, the robot declares that it is, in fact, gender non-binary because the human character says that she, she's a girl, is gender non-binary. And the robot's like, that's so beautiful. It matches the beauty of my experience. And it's just pure left-wing indoctrination on children's TV. Do not let your kids watch shows you haven't pre-screened. I know it's a lot of work. Or you could just subscribe to Daily Wire Plus and then we'll pre-screen this stuff for you because we'll either make it or license it. I mean, that, that's either you can trust our vetting procedures or you can trust your own. It's a lot more time effective to just let us do it for you is the reality over at dailywireplus.com. But that's the reason we are doing this is because you literally cannot leave your kid in front of a TV watching a Transformers show for seven-year-olds without worrying they're going to be teaching your kid that he could be a she. It's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the vaunted Ben Shapiro Show mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member today. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 